Today on Crawl Call, it's time for one last look back at 2014. On tap today, the year in television with TV critic Richard Sims. Then it's time for a look at the year in sports with Alex Clancy. Plus, some highlights from the last year on Crawl Call and Soap Central Live. That's coming up today on Crawl Call. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Crawl Call, and I hope you are ready to party like it's 1999 plus 16. It is 2015. Welcome to a brand new year here on Crawl Call and to part two of our look back at 2014. It's a lot of years in there. We've got 1999, 2014, 2015. I'm going to throw in some others, I'm sure, by the time that the end of this show is here. So be prepared. There may be math. There may be a quiz. There may be a pop quiz to win some prizes. Who knows? But what I can tell you for sure is that in this second part of our look back at 2014, we're going to be talking about television and sports. First, let's talk about the sports. It's it's very interesting because I think in 2014, for the first time, most of the biggest sports stories became mainstream stories. We'll be talking about those with Alex Clancy when he drops by the show in just a little bit. But up first, friend of the show, Richard Sims, will be here to talk about the year in television. There were a lot of new shows. There were a lot of shows that left the air. There were a lot of personalities that left the air. We'll be talking about them. We'll be talking about this show. There's a lot of fun. And now a lot of you missed some of Lindsay Wells' amazing tips for cooking in the new year. So we've decided to bring them back, play them all, make sure that you get a chance to hear them today. So let's take a quick break and listen to our first tip from the Kitchen Witch, Lindsay Wells. A great way to spruce up your menu is to eat seasonally. And even though winter winds may blow around us, seasonal ingredients like apples, cabbage, pears, rosemary, sage, and turnips can spruce up our menus. I'm Lindsay Wells, the Kitchen Witch. Listen for my tips on how to use some of these ingredients later in Kroll Call. But now, let's get back to Dan. I could not think of any better way to kick off a new year than bringing in one of my favorite people. Unfortunately, my Nana was not available to be on the show today, so I reached out to my second favorite person. Cut to the chase, I've eventually got to someone who would want to be here with me. He is, though, a a very dear friend, a friend to the show, a wonderful person. He's the executive editor of Soaps in Depth magazine. He's an author. He is our proclaimed television film pop culture critic he is here for january 2nd 2015 richard sims happy new year the person you were attempting to dial has disconnected the call please try again <laughs> hello happy new year happy new year happy it's new year. so crazy 2015 i'm not i'm not sure that i'm going to be able to say that i'm sure that the first time i have to write a check or something like that i'm going to be writing 2014 but we're gonna get we're gonna get to it. I, I think we're gonna we're gonna embrace 2015, Richard. It's funny because being in the magazine business, you know, we're always working about a month ahead. So somewhere around late November, we started pushing through pages for January that had, and we had to look at every single page and make sure, you know, up oh, do we put the 2015 folio on it? Do we put the 2015? We even uh, when we went to do the 
the 2015 preview section, right there on the cover in big, bold letters, it said, 2014 preview. I said, well, you know, <laughs> that should be pretty easy to do because I know everything that's going to happen. You could should have not done anything. People would have been reading going, holy crap, I, they're amazing over at the Soaps in Depth. But uh, I don't know, though, Richard, that any of us could have predicted all of the things that went on in the year in television in 2014. I mean, looking back at some of the stuff that happened, even though I know that it's happened, I'm still sort of baffled by it. I think for this segment, you know, we're going to talk about the year in television because there, there was a lot of TV news in 2014, Richard. You know, for me, I think the big breakout surprise news of 2014 in TV had to be the fact that um, the CW, for the first time really ever, scored sort of a beloved show. I mean, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which started on WB but moved to CW, was beloved as a cult favorite. Mm-hmm. The CWO has had cult favorite shows before. But Jane the Virgin has earned them actual respect. You know, every every outlet in the country pretty much put it on their, you know, end of year list of, of best shows. And it's it's really just this cool show to see getting recognition because it's it's um you know sort of, it's based on a telenovela uh, it, it, it sort of breaks a lot of the stereotypes and rules that, that we see being so strictly enforced on network television. And, and, and on top of all that, it's great television. It's funny and charming and sweet, and it has cliffhangers. And it, it just, I'm really happy to see a show that, that I love be embraced so wholeheartedly by pretty much every spectrum of the media. With the risk of making it sound like it is a stereotypical comparison, I think that sort of what Jane the Virgin did is they took the concept that was put forth with like an ugly Betty, which was also sort of telenovela adapted and also was revolving around a Latino family. But I think that they they really upped the ante. Not only is the writing really clever, but at the same time, there's a the narrator does sort of the winks of all the stuff that we're thinking at exactly the moment while we're watching it. it. Usually it doesn't fail that the narrator comes on and says exactly what's in our mind and that makes it even funnier because you know it's not taking it too seriously. It's still providing entertainment. It's it's all sorts of clever and you know I don't know necessarily how the ratings are matching to what the expectations were for this show but I have to say that you know Jane the Virgin is is a really really solid show in my opinion as well I think the other thing that really is is sort of surprising about it you're very right in making the comparison to Ugly Betty I I I think that's a really fair comparison but the big difference for me is that Ugly Betty was basically an americanized version of a telenovela you know it it um yes the, the the lead family, Betty and her family, were Hispanic, but they were sort of vaguely Hispanic, you know, sort of the way we've come to expect of a lot of, of network television characters. Not only is is the family on Jane the Virgin, you know, they're they're flat out Hispanic, if that makes sense. But they also what they do brilliantly is if you happen to be a telenovela fan, 
they lovingly mock the genre while at the mm-hmm. exact same time paying respect to all of the various uh, tropes that exist mm-hmm. within the genre. It's, it's, it's brilliant how they both, you know, to, to be able to do both at the exact same time. That's, that's really hard to do, but they do it every week. The news, though, on the CW was not as good for something that I think was expected to be a very big hit, The Carrie Diaries, you know, the Sex and the City prequel. Is that what we're calling it? It's a prequel. It's a a whatever the origin story canceled, gone. You know, I was surprised it even got a second season, to be honest. Uh, it, It was one of those things that as soon as you heard the idea, it just sort of... To me, at least, I said, I don't see how you make this work. Because, you know, it it basically, Sex and the City was a show that was very risque, it was very uh, uh, sexual, and yet you were basically taking, what you were basically doing here was you were going to tell the story of the teenagers who would eventually morph into Carrie and Miranda and Samantha and Charlotte. And... those two things just really didn't work together. Plus you were taking a half hour comedy that had some dramatic moments and sort of turning it into an hour dramedy that was more drama than comedy. It just, the whole thing felt like a mess to me from the very beginning. And the fact that they basically, that they renewed it for a second season, despite it being sort of disastrous in the first season, sort of indicated to me that the CW looked at their schedule and said, well, we have bigger problems, you know? But now they have another problem because they got to fill that space, too. Well, they do. But one of the origin stories that worked in 2014, at least in my opinion, we'll see if you agree or not, is Gotham on Fox, which I have to say I was very excited to see what it was going to be about. I saw the commercials. We all saw the commercials, you know, months before the show hit the airwaves, looked like it was going to be good. For me, it has completely lived up to the hype. It's probably even exceeded it. And I don't know that this is necessarily a show that I would have watched. I mean, I, I would have. I mean, I, it's not like I don't like the the Batman story and all, all of the, the superheroes. So that's not the issue. But like a Marvel, the whatever it's called, Masters of the Universe, whatever, people can send me letters, at Dan J. Kroll, tweet me for not knowing. Uh, <laughs> This Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, that too. Um, Marvel, 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 Marvel. Um, (laughs) Professor Marvel from (laughs) The Wizard of Oz. I don't know. This is a show that, uh, it's not surprising necessarily that I like it, but I'm just glad that it's lived up to the hype. I'm glad that it's something that's made me want to tune in every week. And uh, Jada Pinkett Smith goes right at the top of my list for really one of the most entertaining actresses slash characters of the year. Well, we're going to have a disagreement here. Oh, so um, early in the show? Uh, so early in the show. I agree with you 100% about Gotham. I I really, I have no interest in that kind of stuff. I am not a fan of Batman or the Avengers or any of the superhero movies. I mean, every now and then I'll watch one and I'll be like, oh, that was cute. I did like Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought that was a fun movie. But I'm not, generally speaking, a big fan of this particular genre. But Gotham got me right from the beginning with its look. It was so stylish. Even the, the ads for it, you could tell this was going to be a really stylish show. So I started watching. The characters are really well drawn. The uh, the origin story is really well told. The kids who play um, both Bruce Wayne, who will eventually grow up to be Batman, and Selena Kyle, who will eventually spoiler grow alert. up to Batwoman. Spoiler alert! Uh, yes, big spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, they are so 
just wonderful. They're such good actors, and I wish this show got better ratings. Now, here's where we're going to disagree. Okay, I was waiting. I was enjoying this disagreement so uh, yeah. far. Yeah, yeah. This is this is your favorite kind of disagreement. <laughs> where I'm going to disagree is Jada Pinkett Smith. Now, I'm not saying she's not good, but I am saying I don't. I really want someone bigger in this part. Like to me, this part needed. Vanessa Williams. This part needed. She's Jada Pinkett is good, but every time I see it, I want it to be. I want the, the the character to be a little broader. I want everything to be a little sharper, and it doesn't quite fit. So she doesn't quite work for me. She's good, but she's not what I want in that part. Hmm. What do you want in a part? That sounds awfully dirty for 2015. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the same thing I've wanted in a part since I was old enough to know what a, what a part was. <laughs> so we've got our first disagreement of 2015. Uh, I don't know how this is going to skew the year ahead, but some other shows that have come and gone in 2014. I will. I have a little list, Richard. I feel like this is the in-memoriam section of the daytime Emmys or something. We have... This could go on for a while. A to Z. Selfie. Manhattan Love Story. Suburgatory. Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. The Neighbors. I, without ruining anything for anybody, I love The Neighbors. It was just a, such a great little fun family show for me. I know that you, Richard Sims, like Once Upon a Time. What about Once Upon a Time in Wonderland didn't work? Well, the problem with Once Upon a Time in Wonderland is that, and ABC does this every few years, they didn't stand by their original plan for the show. <laughs> the original plan was Once Upon a Time would, would run the first half of its season. Then when it took its midwinter finale, they would run Wonderland during that. And at the end of Wonderland, then the second half of the season would come on. Well, instead, they got really excited and said, you know what? We're going to run them both. And I really think that's kind of a case of overkill, you know? Like, networks really fail to realize that, that we only have a limited amount of time in our week. And as, as more and more channels are introduced, and, you know, Netflix is producing original material, and Hulu is producing original material, something has to give. That's true. And so, at some point, you know, we, we have to make tough decisions. For me, like I realized this year, Revenge is a show that I have had, the first year I loved. Since then, I've had a love-hate relationship with it. This year, I realized that I have sort of a trajectory with TV shows. They go from must-watch to must-watch, but I'll probably catch it, you know, like the next day on my DVR, to, well, I'll catch up with it eventually on Hulu. And, like, that's where Revenge is now. Revenge has actually gotten to the point where, like, sometime in the next week, I'll watch it on Hulu, but I don't even care if I DVR it. Wow. And I think that was the problem with Wonderland, too, was it was just, it was just too much. Uh, you know, that's, that's the, like I said, we, we do not have infinite time. We don't have infinite time in this segment either, so we will go for some of the other shows that have left us in 2014. Uh, Bad Judge on NBC and Revolution, which I have to say, Revolution was also a show that I enjoyed. Sorry to see that it go, but I did like the ending. On CBS, Bad Teacher, and sadly, uh, something that may have had a broader implication later, The Crazy Ones, which of course starred the late Robin Williams and also Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, you know, perhaps the cancellation of that may have been one of the underlying factors that ended up uh, causing Robin Williams to take his own life. Very sad story in 2014. I enjoyed that show. Way to well. go dark. 
Well, it's, you know, this is, this is a serious discussion. No, you know what? Let's use this dark, sad time conversation here to take a quick break. We can regroup and we'll come back with more of our year in review, the world of television in 2014 with Richard Sims. I will also be here. Stay tuned because Kroll Call will be right back. Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Everyday SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. The next time you make a roast, jazz it up with my favorite January seasonal side, creamy coleslaw. Just throw together four cups of grated cabbage with a small tin of drained mandarin oranges, one diced apple, and a cup of toasted slivered almonds. Next, mix together a cup of mayonnaise with salt and pepper, two tablespoons of sugar, a quarter teaspoon of paprika, and a quarter cup of milk. Pour that dressing all over the slaw, mix well, and enjoy. This coleslaw is beyond delicious. Now, let's get back to Dan and Kroll Call. Thank you once again, Lindsay, for that wonderful kitchen witch tip. Love having those as we come back from our commercials. Hey everybody, it's Dan Kroll. We are back with part two of our year in review, 2014, a look back at the year in television. Richard Sims is still here, and before the break, we got a little sad talking about some of the sad things that happened in television in 2014. But now we're going much more upbeat, or at least we're going to try to be. One of the things that was supposed to be a groundbreaking, exciting new television experience on Fall Utopia Fox. <laughs> Big, huge, grand plan. And like most people's visions of Utopia, they just never came to fruition. Utopia, gone, Richard. It's gone. Utopia gone. Uh, in fact, I believe we have an article on com about Utopia and sort of what was wrong with it um, that we can link to. But, you know, it was, it was. It was one of those shows that, another of those shows that from the beginning sort of sounded like, yeah, no, this isn't going to happen. You know, they, Fox said we're going to spend a year, this is going to air. And, and the very first episode, within five minutes, I knew it was going to fail based on their choice of host. The mm-hmm. host was just bizarre. He, he was nobody anybody knew. He was weird looking. And then they took us <laughs> wow. to the location. He was. And then they took us to the location. And when we got to the location, it wasn't anything interesting. You know, it was just, it was this field and, and not even a pretty field. Like, like, it didn't look like the Garden of Eden or anything. It looked kind of depressing. There was just... Then we started introducing them, the, the, the players, and the players were all basically exactly the stereotypes you would expect. You know, there was the, the guy who was going to be the drunk, there was the girl who was going to be the crazy one. It just, there was nothing about it that said, this is worth investing a year of your time. And yet, 
while it may have been one of the biggest failures of 2014, I do not believe that it was the worst show of 2014. Well, we'll talk about what that is a little bit later, but, you know, as they say, there is no I in Utopia. Oh, wait. There's no you in... Oh, no, there's a you in Utopia. Well, I don't know. We'll figure out what there isn't and isn't in Utopia. But you mentioned the fact that Utopia may have failed partially because of its host. Well, Richard Sims, um, while I have been... Is this where you tell me that your next guest is going to be that guy and he's going to yell at me for saying that? (laughs) That would be amazing. I wish I had thought ahead. No, what I was going to say is while I have celebrated 2014 by becoming the host of Crawl Call, even though I was already a host of a show and it's not really a big difference, there are some folks who hosted shows named after themselves that either left us in 2014 or it was announced that they would leave us. A lot of talk shows. We have the Bethany Frankel Show, gone. Queen Latifah, canceled. Katie Couric, quit, left, forced out. Arsenio Hall, surprisingly canceled. Craig Ferguson, (laughs) chose to leave on his own. David Letterman, announced it. Tonight Show with Jay Leno, you know. Honey Boo Boo, canceled. Uh, the Colbert Report, he left so he can go host Letterman, or whatever it'll be called later. So there were a lot of talk shows, Richard, that left us in 2014, or were announced that they'd be leaving us. That's a, a really high number of shows in a, in a competitive market that you know a lot of talk shows don't make it anyway, but that seems like it was a really a lot of talk shows that were taken off the air. Well, I think that, again, it goes to the fact that we don't have time for all of these. Plus, with all of the different shows competing for the same guests, you know, it's, again, that's a limited market, too. So, you know, Jay or or one of the big ones are going to get the the big the big guest whose movie is opening this weekend. By the time you get down to Bethany Frankel, you know, she's having the cast of, you know, The Real Housewives of Saskatchewan on. So, (laughs) uh, the other problem is, and this is something that I would really love for networks to recognize, not everyone is talk show host worthy. I am going to say something so painful right now. Uh Uh-oh. I worship Queen Latifah. I love her. I want to, and sometimes I think I am, <laughs> but she's not a good talk show hostess. She just, she, there's, to be a good talk show host, uh, and this is something that you're really good at, you have to have a good rapport, you have to be able to kind of like go with the flow, you have to, if your guest sort of takes you off course, you go with them and you see where it goes, you know, you, you go with the flow. And And she was not very good at that, she always felt like she was sticking to the script she was she it was one of those things where you go to a party and the host you can tell they're trying to pretend they're having a good time but really they're like oh i just wish you'd all get out of my house because i really don't want to be here and that's sort of what queen latifah was for me and i'm saddened by that because i think she's such a joyous presence that's why i don't host parties because i really don't want anybody in my house Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i understand See, it's, you know, it all sort of fits together. It is interesting. You know, those are the things that I think about in terms of this show. You know, what do people want to hear? What is going to make them want to give an hour of their time to listen to the show? There are a and lot yet you of... keep having me on? <laughs> well... <laughs> you might want to rethink that. As you were saying, you know, all those other shows are competing for certain guests. Nobody <laughs> has been competing for you. So, you know, you're Ouch. here hanging out with Ouch. me. <laughs> well... Uh, it does give a good segue, though. I want to talk, you know, anytime somebody says they want to expose themselves on the air, I, since it's radio, I say go ahead and, and do it. But you have an interesting take on 
the TV season, or so as it was, that was in 2014, overexposed television shows, for me, I would put Gotham, at, or not Gotham, see, now you've got me all messed up, Richardson, I would put Scandal, I don't even talk about this show normally, so that's why it doesn't flow off my tongue, I would put Scandal at the top of my overexposed television show, I feel like, oh, I just, everybody is talking about Scandal, I don't particularly care about it, you're staying on the same network, the same night, the same executive producer, you say How to Get Away with Murder is the most overexposed show of 2014? Without a doubt. Really? Um, it, is, it is, to me, a show that, you know, obviously, they were really, the minute they announced it, we were all excited about it. I was among them. I, I love murders. I love, I love like, Dateline and, and Scandal and anything that has anything to do with murder, I am all over it. My favorite thing to listen to right now is NPR's Serial. You know, like, I'm mm-hmm. so addicted to this kind of stuff. So it makes sense that basically the folks who brought us Scandal were going to be doing this show about murder. I was all up in its grill. Um, and, then it, and, then, and then it aired. And I was like, what? It, it just, it seems like one of those shows that everybody is talking about. But the more you talk to people, in a lot of cases, they're like, yeah, I don't really like it all that much, but I want to know who did it kind of thing. The interesting thing to me will be now that we know who did it, you know, because that was the, 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 the mid-season finale was basically revealing who did it. And spoiler alert, I mean, it aired weeks ago. I feel like you know, I'm okay with this. And revealing that Anna Elise, the, the lead character, has known from the beginning who did it. Um, now, will people tune in to see, you know, what happens next? Uh, for me, it just it just failed on a lot of levels. Like, I, I did not understand how these students were always in the courtroom. Like, don't you have classes? Why are you always able to go to her class? And plus, they did all the work for her. Like, she never knew how to solve a case. And they would come in and they'd be like, well, you know, if, if he's colorblind, that means you need your students to think of these things? And yet you're supposed to be this wildly esteemed law professor and attorney? It just, yeah, it just failed for me on a lot of levels. Was it, though, your pick for the worst show of the year? Not by a long shot, because I would, you know, I could continue watching it. Like, I would watch it. It, it wasn't unwatchable. It just wasn't my kind of thing. No, for me, the worst show of the year, and, and I would have loved to have been in the room when this show was greenlit, because I, the, the question I would have asked the people in the room was, how much, how stupid do you think we really are? And that was, who wants to marry Harry? Oh. Fox decided that they would get a bunch of really, really stupid, really, really gullible women and have them all compete for a guy who kind of, sort of looked like he might be Prince Harry. I, I, I felt bad for every single person involved in this because it, and, and every viewer because it really said, wow, we think you are complete and total morons. Yeah, you know, I just don't understand why someone would possibly think that a royal would need to go on a reality television show to get a date or would even be permitted. You know that the queen was saying, no, no. That's it for me. It's not why would a royal want to do it. It's why would a royal be allowed to do it? Why would they, and if they were going to do it, why would they go on an American talk show pursuing a bunch of American girls, you know? Like, there was just nothing about this 
that that made any sense whatsoever. It, it made The Bachelor look highly intelligent. And and I think the problem with it was, and it got really terrible ratings, and I was really glad to see that. And I think the reason it got ra- the bad ratings was it tried to make fun of us. It tried to make fun of viewers. It really made fun of the women. Um, and I think that that's something that the ba- you know the Bachelor is seeing lower ratings over the last few years, and I think that's why the Bachelor has stopped being about romance. And you know, look at the advertisements for the new Bachelor, which is just starting up with you know boring Chris Farmer Chris as the Bachelor. They kind of know, okay, Chris is a boring guy. He's cute, people like him, but he's kind of boring. So we're not going to try and sell. This is the journey of a guy who's looking for love. We're going to sell the craziness of the women, and that's what these shows have become. And the more they pimp the crazy, sort of, I think the more people are sort of losing interest in them. Anything in 2015 that they have announced that is coming soon to a television set near you that you're excited about? Yeah, definitely. Um, interestingly, it comes on the heels of a show that I was really excited about that will not be getting a second season. Graceland, uh, Grace Point. I, I, again, because I love stories about murder, I thought Grace Point was just a fantastic little 10-episode uh, event series. It was based on the British series Broadchurch. It was really incredibly well done. Um, I understand sort of, there are several reasons why I think it had problems here in America and this adaption of it had a difficult time, but I really enjoyed it. It came to a good conclusion. Um, I have, because I enjoy that kind of thing, I have really high hopes for the similarly themed Secrets and Lies, which is the new Ryan Felipe, Juliette Lewis show. Uh, same kind of thing. It takes place in a small town. It's about a murder. I believe it's the murder of a small, uh, a young boy, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it just, it has sort of that feel of it's a little bit soapy, maybe a little bit Twin Peaksy, uh, and and just all kinds of you know, murdery goodness. So I'm really, I'm really stoked for that one. And if anyone out there is also similarly excited or wants to know exactly what it is, on the very first episode of Crawl Call, Melissa Gilbert dropped by to talk about her return to primetime network television. She is going to be in the series. I'm very excited. She'll give all the details over there. She tells a little bit more than what Richard did without giving anything away. And of course, she has a secret connection to the behind the scenes team at Secrets and Lies. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know that there's anything necessarily, Richard, that I'm looking forward in 2015, except I want to see all the shows that I'm currently watching stay on the air, because when the end of 2015 comes along, I don't want to have to read off the name of any of the shows that I like in the shows that were canceled. Although, I already suspect that there will be several of those shows on the list. And I've got my womp womp already ready for that for for 2015. I want to thank you, Richard, for taking some time out to talk about the year in television. But for folks who want to get more of the year in Richard Sims, where can they find you? How can they find you? And do you want them to find you? You know, I, I think I must have some weird thing where I do want people to find me. I think I am not going to be happy until I have an official stalker because I throw myself at the <laughs> internet. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, here, here's my Facebook page, here are my nine Twitter accounts, here's, you know, here's my home address. I, I, I basically seem to be begging for a stalker, and I think I figured out why. It's because, as I've said, I'm a big fan of those like Dateline shows, and I don't know if you've ever watched Dateline, but Keith Morrison. 
who does the voiceover and the narrator for a lot of the Dateline. He has the most awesome voice. And so I figure that, like, if I wind up being, you know, stalked and murdered by someone, that they'll do a Dateline and he'll do... Richard was the kind of guy that everybody liked, except Dan Kroll. You know what I think? So if you want to join in the Stalker Brigade, you can find me um, at How Rude Are You, at Soaps and Depth ABC, Soaps and Depth CBS, Mellow Mickey. Those are all Twitter handles. You can find me on Instagram at How Rude Are You. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trailfy, T-R-A-L-F-I-E. And you can even find me, well, not really in bookstores, but if you go on Amazon and search for my name, a couple of books will come up and you can, like, read books and find out, you know, well, not find out more about me, but you get a little deeper inside my head because I wrote them. Well, I'm so excited. I am sharpening up my chalk so that I can do a chalk (laughs) outline sometime if your stalker comes to pass. But in the meantime, I'm also going to sharpen up my commercial messages because if it's a quick break, stay tuned. We'll be back with more of our year in review special here on Crawl Call Part 2, that is, in just a minute. Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who's slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Did you know that apples, onion, and rosemary make an amazing topping for chicken or pork? Just take the time to caramelize an onion and a diced apple in a skillet with some olive oil and butter. Add a little salt and pepper, maybe some garlic and that rosemary, and then deglaze the pan with sherry, wine, or apple juice. Serve that over whatever roasted meat you're serving for another seasonal treat. And now let's get back to Dan on Kroll Call. Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's Kroll Call, part two of our year in review, a look back at the year that was 2014. We are going to take a look now at the year in sports, but don't worry if you don't know a touchdown from a home run, because in 2014, many of the year's biggest sports stories went mainstream. Alex Clancy is a sports, we'll call him an enthusiast. We'll let him see what word he would actually use. He's here to take a look back the last 12 months on all of the different playing fields. Alex, uh, sports enthusiast, should we call you a fanatic? Do you have another word that perhaps you prefer to use? I mean, enthusiast works. I think fanatic can be uh, deemed in a poor light sometimes, so I'd like to stay away from that. But um, I love sports, and I follow it uh, diligently and uh, love to talk about it. How about we make our own word, and we call you a fan-thusiast? <laughs> I love that. Do it. Trademark it. <laughs> I will hashtag it. I will file it. Uh, <laughs> nobody else run to the Twitter and, and use it or whatever. Okay, so as I was saying in the introduction, it's it's kind of interesting because a lot of times in 
sports, it's always about who threw the most touchdowns or it's a Super Bowl. And if folks aren't a fan of a particular sport, it doesn't really mean anything to them. For one of the first times that I can remember in a long time, I think most of the biggest sports stories were ones that people were talking outside of the ESPNs and the sports centers and all of those other places. It's it's a bit surprising, Alex. Oh, it is. And it's um, I can definitely attest to it that it's, social media has taken a stranglehold to sports and, and you know news and everything. And we have more exposure to every little tidbit of these athletes now than, than, than we did, you know, in the 1670s, 60s and 70s and 80s, obviously. So it, it can't help but go mainstream. So let's go to probably the biggest story that was off the field, and it involves two players who, well, we'll just, Ray Rice, Adrian Peterson, both sort of got themselves in trouble for different things. Ray Rice for a domestic situation, Adrian Peterson for disciplining his child. You know, people will say, okay, it's not really domestic. It went beyond that. And people will say he wasn't disciplining his child. It went beyond that. This is These were stories that we were talking about for a great part of the year. Yeah. I mean, it's it, these are personal issues that because of the uh, the career that these men have, everybody knows about everything. And neither of them, in my opinion, were right to do what they did. Let me just put that out on the record. It's just interesting that we get to see inside the souls of these guys just through media and through the news and through the obvious suspensions afterwards. Uh, it's it, the mainstream nature of these two huge issues that have arisen in, in our society as a whole. It, it really allows us to relate to these guys, and especially because they definitely did something wrong in my opinion once again so it's the really polarizing topics and the suspensions that came after were even more polarizing what do you think about the fact that we're sort of using professional sports as a microcosm for you know the greater society here we are uh, people who may have no idea what a quarterback is or what a field goal is and now they're involved in the discussion of of sports sort of tangentially here uh, you know it, it's interesting it's it's like any sort of media i mean sports really it's it's a it, you know it's a it, it's a career and for for most people it's entertainment so these players and coaches are, are in our face all the time if, if you watch sports center even if you don't with the ray racing people know who he is you can you can google him and you will know who he is right away adrian peterson same way so everything is so magnified when these guys are on TV all the time and when they're in the face of sports lovers and non-sports lovers alike that now it becomes, it, it becomes more of a human issue when you can actually relate to these players because you see them, even if you don't know them, you know not, not the first thing about them. But you can relate and see and make your own judgment based upon it. It's just interesting that because they're in your face, because the media is so prevalent around everything, that... It's, it's gone to a new level that we've never really experienced before, and we're seeing everybody kind of adapt to it in their own you know, specific ways. There were also two other football stories that came up that, uh, in talking to you now that I sort of thought about that became mainstream stories. The first is the controversy over the Washington Redskins name. Uh, a lot of people are saying it's offensive. They can no longer trademark the name. There's a big lobby to change the name of a team that has been the Redskins for 
uh, quite a long time. This is another topic that's gotten people talking. Again, people who may have never watched a, a minute of football in their lives. And it's funny. So we look at domestic violence, Ray Rice. You could say domestic violence or, or uh, violence against a child going too far, and now we're looking at racism. So these are topics that are just masked in the world of sports, but they really you know, have much greater importance than a form of entertainment for most and a career for others. You know, the Washington Redskins thing, it's, this is one that intrigued me um, greatly because it's, it's the obvious answer, in my opinion, and especially because I, I believe in equality for everybody, uh, is yes, it is a derogatory term towards a Native American person. Absolutely correct. Uh, because it's a brand name now, the owners and, and the people in the organization that have been in the organization forever see it as a brand and they don't look at it as what the actual term really means. And I think a main reason why it hasn't been changed, and I've thought this, is that in the NBA with the Donald Sterling thing, say hypothetically speaking, with the overt racism that, that he showed, over 80% of the NBA is African American. If over 80% of the National Football League was Native American, it would have been changed right away. And, and I truly believe that that is a huge um, hiccup in the whole system, that because the relevancy of Native Americans in the NFL isn't prevalent, then they're still able to keep them in. Well, that also leads us to another story that was in the NFL going along the line. Michael Sam, first openly gay draft pick. There was a lot of controversy. People saying, oh, you know what? We're not going to want to shower with him in the locker room. And there were uh, people saying that it was going to put too much attention on teams. And, you know, bim, bam, boom, done. Sort of kind of became a non-story after all of the hubbub. Or maybe we could say that it became a non-story because of the fact that he's a gay player. Yeah, I mean, it, it shouldn't have been a story to begin with, obviously. Everybody says that now, and, and, I, and I agree with that. And there, there have been gay football players, gay basketball players, gay baseball players. Nobody's just ever really come out and, and, and said it, and let alone before coming into the draft. Because that took a lot of, a lot of moxie to, to do that. And he did it, and he was happy. And he wasn't supposed to be like a top 10 or top 20 pick anyway. So the fact that he got drafted really late had nothing to do. It had all to do with his physical ability and his talents on the football field. And when he almost made the team with St. Louis, he got down to the last set of cuts and he just wasn't good enough. And that is when he got drafted, he was looked at as a football player and not as a homosexual football player. And I think that our gen our society as a whole has really come a far way, you know, more than not, there will always be the naysayers and everything, people that don't agree with homosexuality, which is their prerogative. But I think that from now on, it's going to be less and less of an issue, which is exactly what it should or shouldn't be, so to speak. Also, in terms of equality, on a completely different note, uh, you know, there was someone who made a point of saying, I do play like a girl. And it earned her cover of magazines. It earned her Person of the Year honors. It is my hometown girl, Monet Davis, from Philadelphia's Taney Dragons Little World Series. She was the first uh, shutout game in Little League World Series. You know, we unfortunately didn't win. We came in third. But it's definitely a big story that, you know, that uh, a lot of people were surprised that 
you know, a girl could do all of this. Even in 2014, they were surprised that a girl could, you know, be excelling at sports. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, this is one that's going to be a little tougher um, for everybody to grasp, which, again, I don't agree with, but it's always been men and women's sports. Uh, you have the co-ed teams of volleyball and college intramurals and, you know, things that don't really matter when you're younger, you play recreational basketball together, everything. Baseball is a little different because it's always baseball and softball. And yes, when you're younger, five, six, seven, if you want to play baseball, that girls do that with, with the boys. But Little League World Series, this is a big deal. I mean, this, it, I mean, only so many teams make it to this thing. And, and it's fantastic that she, you know, she was the first, again, as you said, the first a female pitcher to win a game, first to win, to get a shutout. Like, I think that this could be, this, this is a bigger stepping stone than people think. Because I think she's like the 18th girl to ever play in the Little League World Series. Um, and it's under 10 that have played, that have been American. I think there's four or five. And, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I think it's fantastic. And I hope she goes on a great and amazing things. And I hope she paves the way for other girls to play baseball. Because if you don't want to hit a big ball, you don't want to play softball. It's hard to throw when you're younger. Baseball's easier. You know, it's it's faster paced. If that's what that's what girls like to do, then then do it. I mean, I hope that this Monet Davis situation and everything that she accomplished um, will pay the way for that. How long do you think it will be before we see a woman in professional men's sports? That's a very <laughs> that, that's a good question. Um, I had this conversation actually a couple of years ago because Jenny Finch was the, uh, you know, the star pitcher for the, the, the women's softball team years back. And we were talking about what it would be like if she were to pitch in the major leagues, which is difficult because she could just underhand, obviously, and it'd be a completely different skill set. But if she were to play first base or she were to do something, I don't think it's that far-fetched. And it, it shouldn't be. I mean, everybody is strong in their own, you know, in their own way. And, and women are... Sports are getting more and more physical across the board. And, you know, with CrossFit and working out at an all-time high, everybody does this. All these athletes have negative percent body fat. They can run a 4-4-40. I, I, I don't think it's that far-fetched. I mean, it, for at least tryouts to start happening. Hmm. I know that there, there have been women in, in high school that have tried out for the uh, football teams to be the kicker and all that stuff, and some have made the team, and it's – I think to answer your question succinctly after going on for 10 minutes, I think it uh, <laughs> soon, but not yet. It is very rare for a player to spend their entire career with one particular team. It's also very rare that someone earns the respect of fans of other teams that you know, they wouldn't ordinarily root for. One of the big stories in 2014, the retirement of Derek Jeter from the Yankees. Big story in baseball. Yeah, I think he's the greatest Yankee ever. And I've, I've been mocked by saying that, mocked for saying that, but numbers only mean so much in Major League Baseball, above all, sport, uh, all other sports, is statistic-driven, uh, statistically driven. It's how you make it into the Hall of Fame. It's how you make all the money. It's how you do all this stuff. All he did was go out and play baseball, and he loved playing baseball. And, and there were no off-the-field antics with him. Um, his dating life was kept secretive. Uh, he just never was questioned about steroids. All he did was play baseball. As, out of all of the Yankees that have put on the pinstripes for the you know over 100 years that they've been in existence, there's only one captain, and he's the one that's called the captain. So that's got to say something. And going all around uh, 
um, people giving him gifts at, at different ballparks and stuff. He did a lot for baseball. He made people remember that not everybody is on steroids, not everybody is money hungry, not everybody is just out there for themselves, and and he deserves everything that's that's coming to him. And I think if anything, you know, the worst thing that anyone could say about him is. He was a nice guy. And if that's the worst that you can say about somebody, well, you've done a whole lot of good. Correct. Kind of related to this, talking about giving back and giving to people. Apparently, the big story in hockey in 2014 was they were giving each other mumps. I don't know that I want to talk about it because I'm afraid it'll (laughs) come to me. So we'll touch on it and we'll move so that we don't catch the mumps. Is that safe to do? I'm, I'm, that, that'd be safe with me. I'm fair with that. Hashtag keep the mumps away. Uh, yeah, <laughs> whatever you want to do. That'll, that'll start trending soon. <laughs> I'm sure. Hopefully that'll spread faster than the mumps. Okay, so going from <laughs> that to uh, another health story that is very, very serious that a lot of people may not have picked up on. It's not really something like the Ray Rice, Adrian Peterson stories that have gone mainstream, but it's something that I know that you feel very strongly about, and it's the NBA. We're turning to basketball this time, and a significant number of injuries from first-round draft picks, and a lot of them ended up not even being able to really play a lot of games so far this season. Uh, tell us about this. What is this? What's the story? And is there something that maybe we need to be more aware of here? Well, it's an epidemic. Uh, this is the day and age of, they're called the one and dones. You play freshman year of college and you go right to the NBA because the NBA rules state that you must be at least a year out of college um, to enter the NBA draft. Some players decide to go overseas so they can make some money right out of high school. And some just go to a big name school. Uh, Jabari Parker went to university of Duke and Duke university. And he just tore his ACL a few games ago. I think six out of the top 10, I want to say um, seven out of the top 10 picks have injuries that are either season ending or uh, are putting them on the bench indefinitely. And I truly believe that either you make these kids go to school for two or three years. I mean, I think they should go for four. I understand why if this is the meal ticket for some of these kids, I want to make money now. I want to support my family. I want to do all these things. That's great. Uh, they think they're good enough to be in the NBA, which a lot of them are, but their bodies aren't ready yet. And it, this is becoming good. No, I was going to say, is this, Alex, is this going to be another story that's like the NFL concussions? Are we going to be hearing about a lot of people coming forward and saying, hey, you know, basketball killed my my health here well it's interesting you say that because the nfl has always been about the brand it's always been about the shield so the players have kind of taken a back seat with their safety until now but 60s 70s 80s early 90s next man up if you get hurt you lose your job so people would play through everything these these guys are kids i mean you have to be two years out of college i believe in the nfl to be able to go there. So you're a little bit more mature. Your body is definitely, you have to work out a lot more to be in foot, to play football traditionally. You have these kids that are sticks coming into the NBA. And if you get, if you don't get injured in the first couple of months, the rigors of the season are unmatched with regards to college. I mean, you're playing almost three times the amount of games that you do in college basketball. So I think it's a different epidemic. Um, I just think that this is one that's easier to fix than the concussion protocol in, in the NFL. 
The calendar may now say 2015, but we are talking before the holidays because let's just face it out there. I don't want to be in the studios the day after Christmas or the day after New Year's. So that being said, with an asterisk and and hashtags and backslashes and all sorts of other things, we're going to do something that may or may not need to be altered or, you know, you can just look at it for what it is. But as of the date that we're talking, Alex, I want your prediction which two teams do you think are going to end up in the Super Bowl? Seattle Seahawks and New England Patriots. How confident are you in that pick as of today, which I will let everyone know is the 20th of December. How confident? Uh, confidence. I would say, <laughs> I mean, I think over 50% is pretty confident, right? Um, I, would I would say, say so. about 72.5% confident. Okay. Well, the good news is you will be back in time to talk about the Super Bowl and we'll revisit your picks because you're going to be back here with us for our Super Bowl show on January 30th and you're going to do a little bit of expert talking, but you're also going to help people who don't understand anything about football so they can sit down and watch the game and kind of have an idea of of what's going on. That sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, I can't wait. Really excited about it. In the meantime, until then, Alex, how can people find you? Where can they go on the internet to track you down and be a fanthusiast with you? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner, C-L-A-N-C-Y-S-C-O-R-N-E-R. I'm doing some work with AM 1060 in Phoenix. And uh, yeah, onward and upward, I'm I'm just just trying to get as many opportunities as possible and... uh, Dan, I really appreciate you having me on as, as one of the opportunities. I appreciate having you here. I'm hoping that the folks who are listening and saying, wow, it's about time that you finally got to talking about sports, they will rally around this. They will let us know. They will let us know that they think your pick for the Super Bowl is crazy or they'll say that you're absolutely <laughs> right. Whatever it is they want to say, we want them to get involved. And of course, if there are sports-related topics that you guys want to hear on Crawl Call, please share those as well. We have to take a quick break, but we're going to be back with more of our Year in Review Part 2 coming up in just a moment. For a final seasonal tip from the kitchen, which how about elevating the sturdy turnip with apple or pears? Saute two diced apples or pears in a skillet with olive oil just until soft. Add them to a bowl with three medium cooked turnips and mash, adding two tablespoons of butter, a quarter cup of chicken stock, salt and pepper to taste, and then finish with a little fresh thyme. For more great recipes, tips, and ideas like this, visit lindsaythekitchenwitch.com and now let's get back to Dan and Crawl Call. We are back for the final few moments of this week's episode of Crawl Call, the final minutes of part two of our look back at the year that was 2014. And since we only have a few moments, I thought let's talk about some things that hopefully won't take up a whole lot of time. And those would be the infamous year-end bloopers. Uh, we have some stuff that... Sometimes makes it to air, sometimes doesn't make it to air. One that did make it to air was in a show back on November 14th when Dumb and Dumber 2's Steve Tom dropped by. And I'm not sure where he thought he was, but, well, take a listen. Steve Tom, welcome to Crawl Call. John, thank you for having me. It is so nice to be here. I've been looking forward to it all week. 
I've had some really dumb and dumber moments in my life recently. Is there anything, I don't want to be the only one, is there anything that you can share recently that maybe you've done so I don't feel as though, you know, I'm the only one who doesn't know the difference between the Dalai Lama and Salvador Dali? Yes, absolutely, and it, uh, it goes back a whole 20 seconds when I just called you John. <laughs> I, I have, I, I had another, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Way back on June 13th, 2014, while this show was still under the Soap Central Live banner, The Bold and the Beautiful's Aaron D. Spears dropped by to talk about some of the things that he's up to, and we got to talking, as we usually do, about food, and a new show that put together foods that you wouldn't think would go together normally was called Frankenfoods, and here was Aaron's very unusual take on keeping an open mind when trying new things. At least that's what I think he was trying to say. You just have to be open and allow yourself to taste without prejudging what it's going to already taste like. Because I noticed if you tell your brain that you're going to be eating doo-doo, for, for instance, you already have an uh, image in your head of what doo-doo is going to taste like. And it could be actually a chocolate-covered strawberry that's popped in your mouth. And your first expression is like, ooh, I'm eating doo-doo, until you actually let those taste buds say, yeah, you're like, oh, man, that's a straw, chocolate-covered strawberry. But it's not just the guests who make bloopers here on the show, so I don't want to point fingers or no one will show up here on the show for fear that they're going to make the year-end blooper reel. I have my share of moments as well. Here is a recording that was done for an introduction to a show that didn't make the air. I think after hearing it, you'll know why. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Kroll Call. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. I am kind of hungry, so I'm probably going to need to get to get the other some behind and with that, it means we are out of time. There's no more time left to make any bloopers in this week's show. Anyway, I want to thank all of you for listening to part two of our Year in Review 2014, a look back at the year that was. If you missed any part of today's show, if you'd like to hear part one, or if you'd like to hear any episode of Kroll Call that we've broadcast so far, or any of the episodes of Soap Central Live that broadcast from January 2010 until... October of 2014. You can check them out at crawlcall.com. That's the place to listen to any of our episodes on demand. It's completely free. Subscribe to the Crawl Call podcast on iTunes. Also free. We're back here next Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Thank you so much. Happy New Year. We'll see you then.